You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. All right. So this year in our Good News class, we're looking at the Bible, a book of the Bible called Acts. Now, the book of Acts comes in the New Testament, which is in the second half of the Bible, and it follows after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we looked at last year, which gave us the story of the life of Jesus, where we learn a lot about who Jesus is, how he was born, the things he, his message that he preached, and how he interacted with people. And we couldn't help but love this man. And then we read about his death on the cross on the third day, but it didn't end there. We read how he was raised from the dead to die no more on the third day. And while we've been learning about Jesus, we've also got to know his disciples. Nobody special, just normal you and me's. People we can relate to. And we get to witness their highs and their lows. We see times when they denied their Lord, and then other times when we see they've got enough faith to walk on water. And what I love about this is, we get to continue this story into our book of Acts that we're going to look at tonight. Only there's a change. No longer is their Lord Jesus on earth with them, but now he's up in heaven, but he told them in Matthew 28 that they're not alone. He told his disciples that I'll be with you always, even till the end of the age. So this year we've had, we've had Tim talk to us about the name of Jesus Christ. How bound up, even in his name, was a promise of God, a promise of salvation. And two weeks ago, Jimmy gave us the rundown on the book of Acts, what it's all about, and how Jesus is the integral part of it. And then last week, Lucas focused on Jesus ascending to heaven, and what this means for you and me right now and into the future. And tonight we're going to continue that train of thought looking at how we can be involved in this exciting future. If you missed any of these or you want to go back and check them out, they're on that Cumberland Ecclesia YouTube channel. Now, the world feels really hopeless right now. There is so much suffering on a global scale. There's wars going on, people going hungry. Even, here, even in Australia, we're witnessing these crazy floods and all these people going homeless. And I honestly think twice about turning on the news at the moment. But tonight I want to talk about hope. And this hope we're going to talk about revolves all around the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at Acts 2 tonight, I want to keep in the back of our minds a few key points that for me personally, I find really encouraging and motivating. So there is a God who created you and me. God is willing that none should perish. God is a God of purpose. We're not on this earth by fluke. God has a plan for this world and he wants us to be part of it. God sent his son Jesus to show us the way back to him. And the same Jesus that we've come to know and love and that we've read about in the Gospels, this is the same Jesus that is now sitting at the right hand of God. Now, it can be really easy to read this book and just see black words on white paper and some interesting stories. 
But we've got to remember, this is the inspired word of God. It's his book written for us so that we might get to know our creator and all that he's done for us. And these people we're going to look at tonight, they're real people just like you and me. They weren't perfect, but that's okay because we're not either. So, Acts 2. I want to mainly focus on Peter's answer to the people's question when they asked in Acts 2 verse 37, where he read, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Because Peter's answer to them is just as important for us today. In Acts 2 verse 1, we read, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So Pentecost, what is it? So it's a Jewish festival and it marks the wheat harvest in the land of Israel and commemorates the day God gave the law to the nation of Israel. So this is a really big deal for the Jewish people. And heaps of people come together for this feast from all over the Roman world and they all gather at Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. Now, it's been a week since Jesus spoke, spoke to his disciples and he told them in chapter 1, verse 4, this is before he ascended, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the disciples are still waiting in Jerusalem for this gift. They have no idea how it's going to come to them or maybe had it come when they hadn't even realised But we read in Acts 2, verse 2 to 4, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So, wow. So they're in this room. There's this noise... The, the, the noise is described as a sound from heaven, and this is inside the house. So this is pretty impressive, um, would have been scary for the disciples. So they're in there, and I just picture this, they're all just, they've heard this, they've heard this big noise, and then they look up, and they've all, got, they've all got these flames of fire on their head, and then they go to speak to each other, and they're speaking in another language. But what's even more cool is that they can, well, I don't know how this bit worked, but they're saying it, but then they're speaking in a different language and the other people are hearing them in a different language, in their own language. So it's just this, like, awesome, I just wonder how, do they try a few more little, you know, talk a bit more and just, it's just amazing, right? And I think this visual, this whole visual idea is that it, w it would have been, there was no doubt that the Holy Spirit that they'd been waiting for had come. It's, you know, if it was, if without, the, without the sign of the flame, maybe it could have been, oh, you know, they all just... Well, still pretty crazy, but the, the, the flame was the visual part of it made it a big deal and it was obvious that this is not your normal Pentecost day. So we read that they can speak in different languages. And this, this means, this, this whole speaking in another language means the disciples, they were just told, Jesus had already told them that they were going to be able to speak to all these other people. So... They just can't wait to get out there and share this good news. Right, and there's all these people from all over at this feast, so this is just incredible. So they cannot wait to get out there and share the news. And then we read, So this is what Jesus had said to them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here they are in Jerusalem, and it's game on. So we read, people come running. We read that, so this is, that noise, people heard that noise, so they were inside the house and they heard the noise. Well, people came running from hearing it outside the house, and I imagine the disciples are just like talking in all these languages in their house, and it says the people come running, and they're amazed, and they say, what does this mean? And then you've got some in the crowd saying, oh, they, must, they just must be drunk. But then Peter's going to get up. So Peter is one of the apostles, but this is, this is the Peter we got to read about last year. This is one of Jesus' closest disciples. So we know all about this Peter, but he's, he's a different Peter to the one we knew. He's not a fisherman anymore, so we've been able to see his transformation from a fisherman who didn't even know about Jesus to a follower of Jesus to a bold, courageous disciple who's in front of a huge crowd of people and who isn't going to hold back, but he's going to tell this crowd the good news about Jesus. And he's going to tell them some tough truths as well. So, and it's interestingly, in, in the book of Matthew, which is one of the Gospels, Jesus actually tells Simon, he says, Simon, you are Peter, and he his says his name means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. So here we have the beginnings of the first century church in Jerusalem. And now Peter's going to go on to explain this incredible miracle that everyone's just seen. Okay, so he goes on to explain that what they are seeing, well, first off he tells them, no, they're not drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. He goes, what you just saw is the power of God. And he goes on to explain that what they were seeing was what the prophet Joel had predicted a long time ago. In verse 22, he commands their attention. He says, people of Israel, listen. And now there's a greater point that he wants to tell them than just the miracle of speaking in other languages. He's going to tell them that the gifts are proof that Jesus Christ is now alive and sitting at the right hand of God. He says, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him, as you well know. And that you betrayed this man and with the help of Roman law, had him crucified and put to death. But God knew all this was going to happen and God raised him back to life because he did no sin. So it was impossible that he should stay in the grave. Peter then quotes from the Psalms, which is another book of the Bible, to show how King David, and this is someone that people deeply respected and honoured, also knew that one of his descendants would be raised from the dead and would be the one to sit on the throne as king forever. And verse 32 and 33, we read, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honour in heaven at God's right hand and the Father. As he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us just as you see and hear today. So Peter's speech brings them to the only conclusion possible, which we read in verse 36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Now the truth of what Peter had said hit them really hard. Not only had they been guilty of murdering the Son of God, 
they had refused to recognise their Messiah, whom God sent when he was with them. So what can they do? There's no great act they're going to do to redeem themselves. They can't fix this one. So we read, Peter's words pierce their hearts and they say to him and to the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And it's that question that we want to look at tonight. What shall we do? These people have just experienced a paradigm shift, which is when things we saw as important don't seem so important anymore. And other things now have more importance placed on them. Like for me lately, hearing all about Ukraine and the suffering there at the moment, all this talk of war, even here in Australia, friends losing everything they've got in the floods, all of a sudden this electric skateboard that I've been eyeing off doesn't seem so good. Lost its shine. Or maybe it's poor health, loss of loved ones, or something really big happens in our life and we experience a paradigm shift. And I think all of us at some stage, we ask a similar question, probably not those exact words, but life's ups and downs force that question upon us, is this all there is to life? Or maybe cause us to think, maybe there is a God. For me personally, I've always believed in a God, but as I've gotten older, through the ups and downs of life, I've been forced to trust in God because things are too big for me. I realise I can't control the circumstances in my own life. I can't dodge sickness or health. And I certainly can't fix the world's problems. I can't even fix my own. All I can do is have faith. Faith that God is faithful and he keeps his promises and is going to do what he says. So the people have just found out that their saviour, who they're waiting for, is now up in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, and they had him killed. Hence their question, what should we do? And I really like Peter's answer. It's not an essay by any stretch. It's full of hope, though. He doesn't drag them through the mud like I probably would have. He doesn't get them to jump through all these hoops. He doesn't say, sorry, guys, but you're done. There's no coming back from that one. You heard what I said, you just killed the son of God. God can't forgive that. Well, thankfully, God is not like us. Our God is merciful, gracious and long-suffering. Peter's reply is, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we've got this word repent. It means to change your life. E.g. you go in one direction and you choose to turn to God and go the other way. The idea of repentance is to change our mind and purpose. Not just to repent of sin, but to change our mind about it. But what could cause this kind of change? Well, if you want to turn to Romans, one of my favourite books, which is Acts, Romans, so it's the next chapter over. And we'll go to chapter 2. Now that you've turned it up, I'll put it on the screen. Romans 2, verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Or in another version, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, 
not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance or turns us away from our sin. It's recognising our need and turning to God who shows grace and mercy. Can anyone remember the great, what grace and mercy means? Where's Jeb? Come on, mate. Very good. So that was, yeah. Grace, not, uh, grace is getting what we don't deserve and mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So Peter's call here to repent. Although he's talking to a huge crowd of people, this is something we do as an individual. It's an individual response. And then he goes to talk about baptism. So you might have heard of this word before. It's something really simple. It's the act of going completely under the water and coming back up again. It's a commandment of God, and it's what it represents that makes it a big deal. It's a symbol to everyone present that we no longer want to serve ourselves, but we want to serve God and turn away from sin. So again, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6, which is a couple of chapters over if you're there, 6 verses 3 to 5, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So when we go under the water, it's like we're burying our old way of life. And when we come up out of the water, we're starting a new life, following the example of our Lord Jesus, who was also baptised. And just like he was resurrected and now immortal, because we have willingly believed and made the choice to be baptised, God looks at us as though we are just like Jesus, sinless and perfect. Our human nature hasn't changed, but we have this great gift of grace from God. He will now forgive our sins while... Forgive our sins. So we're still in Romans 6, so let's go to verse 14. So we read here, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So here we read that after we're baptised, we're no longer under the law of sin and death, but under the law of grace. And we're just going to go to another one, Galatians 3 verse 26. Acts, Ephesians, Galatians. So a bit over, but I might just put it on the screen for you if you want. Galatians 3, verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, putting on, like putting on new clothes. So there's this awesome change in our relationship to God when we choose to get baptised and become part of his family. We become adopted sons and daughters through faith in Christ Jesus. And then Peter goes on to talk about forgiveness of sins. So what is sin? Well, sin, in, sin is disobeying God. Adam and Eve, back in the Garden of Eden, disobeyed God and sinned when they ate of the tree he said not to. We all sin. Maybe we haven't murdered someone, 
but all of us have thought unkind thoughts or said or done unkind things. Sadly, any sin distances us from God. Sin is sin no matter how big or small. So we're all in the boat here. We all sin. And Romans 5 verse 12, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Now this all sounds a bit negative, Nelly, but we need to, to, um, we need to understand that we all sin in order to appreciate the goodness of God and his mercy to us. So while we're still in Romans 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul calls this gift free because that's what it is. We don't earn it. It's not like we do all these good deeds and then God owes us. Even when we get baptised, we don't magically stop sinning. We're still going to slip up and sin. But the change that happens is God counts us as righteous or right because we have made the choice to repent and follow Jesus. And we have forgiveness of sins through him. So not only do we have our sins forgiven through Jesus Christ, but we have this incredible hope of living forever. And Peter talks about resurrection in his speech. So I just want to touch on this subject tonight. Because the hope of the resurrection is the basis for our hope. And when we talk about being saved, the ultimate is being saved from death itself. Yes, we all die, but in the life of a follower of Jesus, it's just like a sleep. Because just as God raised Jesus from the grave, he's going to do the same for us because of our faith and belief in his son. So I'm just going to read a bit from 1st of Corinthians chapter 15. You're welcome to turn that up or put it on the screen. 1st of Corinthians 15 verses 3 to 4. I passed on to you what was most important and what has... So this is Paul talking. I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. And I'm just going to do 17 and 22 as well. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So these verses just sum up the hope we have in Christ of living forever and the resurrection. So back in Acts 2. So in verse 41, we read the impact of Peter's words to the people. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And in the rest of chapter 2, we're going to see, how the, people's, we're going to see the people's change of mindset. 
A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And what an awesome picture that is. A lot different to what's going on right now. So what does all this mean for us? Choosing to follow Jesus and get baptised is just the start of a lifetime of growing and transforming. Yes, we all still sin and slip up, but we have this assurance that our Father in heaven is for us and it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. The more we come to know Jesus and let him into our lives, the more we come to know our Father in heaven, our Creator, and the more it changes us. We start to see things differently. We have hope, meaning and purpose in our life. Our Creator has gone to great lengths to save us, but ultimately, it's our choice. And just like the people we considered tonight who asked, what shall we do? Peter's response is just the same for us. Repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So since we've turned up so many passages from Paul tonight, let's look at another one to close. So Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 19. Three. This is Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life, and power that comes from God. And this, friends, is Paul's prayer for you too. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom.
Amen.